Bandwidth for Erotic Awakenings provided by the Kinky Button blog. From submissive myths to kinky music, playtimes and feelings, 30 days of kink, and more, find it all at the Kinky Button blog. www.thekinkybutton.com Because we all wish we had one. Welcome to Erotic Awakening, an exploration of all things erotic. Every Thursday, your hosts, Dan and Dawn, share with you their experience and insights on kink, power exchange, and erotic life, as well as bring you interviews with exciting people from various lifestyles. Then every Monday, you'll hear from our various guest hosts. These nationally known educators bring a variety of experience to the mics and share with you an ever-increasing diverse world of alternative life. Erotic Awakening is intended for mature audiences. If you are offended by adult topics or prohibited by law, we recommend you stop listening right now. Hi, Don. Hi, Dan. This morning, we are recording from the Erotic Awakening Primary Studio. The primary studio, right. our living room. In DDO. <laughs> Today we have an interview. Uh, this also came from the Lupercalia, where, uh, as I mentioned last week, we were having a conversation with Daddy Scott and Benjamin, and Benjamin said something so damned interesting, I told them both to shut up shut until up. we got a microphone. Yes, you did. And they kind of looked at you, and then they went, ooh, microphone. <laughs> when do we schedule? Funny how that happens. <laughs> So today's interview is going to be uh, about being a in a power exchange relationship and being Jewish. And did you know there's a certain holiday where slaves were freed and therefore in their relationship slaves are freed as well? I did not know that until Benjamin said that. And uh, then he said that he was kind of nervous about being on the mic and we're like, no, 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 we, we really need to ask questions about this. I actually know nothing of the Jewish faith. You know, mm-hmm. just not something I've studied. I don't have any Jewish friends that I'm aware of. Maybe I do. Um, just not something I've thought of. So I'm not real familiar with their holidays. So to find out that Benjamin is released every year <laughs> for a religious holiday, I just find that absolutely fascinating. So I'm glad we got him to talk. Yep. So they'll, they're going to talk to us about that and some other stuff coming mm-hmm. up shortly. Uh, Before we get there, of course, we have a little bit of business to do. First off, I do want to let everybody know that uh, Bat is doing better and better for longtime listeners to the podcast. Uh, Bat is somebody in my collar, broke her ankle a few weeks ago, but um, being the kind of person she is, she is taking it by the horns, as they say, (laughs) and has decided that just because she has a broken ankle does not going to prevent her from working, driving, Doing uh, Chinese lunches out, yeah, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so the bat. Now, when I'm on pain pills, I tend to sleep. Until recently, when she's on pain pills, she goes to work. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which, considering her line of work is pretty interesting. Yes. Uh, there's a sitcom in there somewhere. Well, you know, it's kind of funny, actually, because you're doing a bat update, but really you could do an update on all three of your girls. <laughs> so, so. <laughs> and uh, just real quickly, uh, unfortunately... Uh, Karen, who has been um, a part of the podcast since the very beginning, as I've had a relationship with her as long uh, for 240 episodes at least, yeah, <laughs> uh, is in the hospital as well with some issues. And although nothing life threatening, uh, she hasn't been in there for almost a week now, and will uh, continue to be in there. We actually discussed this morning if I can handle 
spending a night sleeping in the hospital uh, with her as, just to support her. But I tell you, I am not good with the hospitals. That is not a place that I thrive. No, not at all. And then, probably control issues, I would <laughs> probably guess. Probably control issues. And then I threw my back out. So I'm on Percocet, which makes me tired. And then they put me on Prednisone, which makes me just want to do everything. So yes. last night, the... The Percocet kept me in bed, but the prednisone kept me wide awake. So I don't know that anything was accomplished. <laughs> so I, I don't know what to expect out of this podcast other than it'll probably go fast. Well, that. they tell me that there's mood swings involved with prednisone. <laughs> and since you've been on it before, we're very well aware of that. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, and it's... Uh, boy, you could almost make a topic out of that. You know, when we're, we talk about being in a, a long-term relationship, long-term for us, a long-term power exchange relationship, this is part of that. You know, you might start off uh, thinking it's all whips and change and kinky sex and fantasies and dress up. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is. Yay. But part of it is how do you deal with your the fact that you're in these long-term relationships. And we've talked about this. We talk about this in Living MS as well, that, um, you know, I as master, um, bat's broken ankle. I have no control over that. I have no control over her medical care. I can make sure she's getting some medical care and taking care of her the best that I can. But there's a real feeling of powerlessness and and um, and limitation. I'd mentioned earlier that you know when I go to the hospital, it I, it kind of, to be honest, freaks me out a little bit. And I think it has something to do with the whole being a control enthusiast, you know, um, and being in a situation where you're so damn helpless. So. There's my musing of the day. And you're not even a power exchange in that one. That's right. just a power exchange with the hospital that you, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> doctors and nurses. And then with mine, you've been doing, you know, here we are long term, share a house. Mm-hmm. You've been slipping downstairs in the basement and, and doing laundry. So before I get up, <laughs> I'm not sure what that was about. If that was just a time thing or uh, or a what. But uh, you did some laundry because I can't do the stairs very well right now. But uh and then sometimes you'll keep me from going up and down the stairs mm-hmm. or whatever. So, yeah. <sighs> so maybe a, something to reflect on for a later day. Absolutely. You know, and we actually, I really would like to reflect on that because we do have people in the lifestyle that have fibro and that becomes challenging to oh, their, yeah. their power exchange relationship, good days, bad days, you know, depression or, you know, whatever. And sometimes that all the master can do is say go to a doctor yeah that's and that's absolutely true that's one of the things that i recommend that there's times where you know regardless i consider myself somewhat skilled leader in power exchange relationships and responsible for the relationship and blah blah but you know when you told me that you'd hurt your back you know i didn't try and adjust it or medicate you i said go to see a doctor yep because that's where their skill lays as well exactly uh, if we can get over all of our medical issues, <laughs> Erotic Awakening is sponsored in part by Adventures in Sexuality, Central Ohio's kinky fun group. Coming up on April Fool's party on March 23rd, which is an April Fool's day, $20 at the door, <laughs> the April Fool's party. Bring your ID 8, p- 8 p.m. to 2 a.m. at the Princeton Club in Columbus, Ohio. Find out more. Find out more. Take three. Find out more at adventuresinsexuality.org. And uh, speaking of silly voices, uh, thank you to the Kink Button, the uh, a new blog and upcoming podcast for being our 
uh, bandwidth bump. provider yes. this week. Awesome. Um, if you uh, like the internet, you'll like the kink button. And you should go check it out. <laughs> nice. Awesome. Well, we've got a couple of things to go over. We've got a really long interview, so we're going to try to keep all of this short, is, is my guess. So I do want to mention that we have more Kickstarter cards ordered. More kink starter cards ordered. <laughs> <laughs> They've actually been selling pretty good. So we wanted to make sure we had a, a supply because we're getting ready to go to a couple more events and are afraid of running out. So, yay. Which is a good thing to worry about. Absolutely. Absolutely. So... New subscribers. I love going through the new subscribers. <laughs> so we have Dante. Hi, Dante from Edmonton. So uh, this would be for the newsletter. And I do want to mention, I don't know if you're aware of this. If uh, pretty soon, we just gave away some stuff on the newsletter. We gave mm-hmm. away some uh, t-shirts. t shirts for the accidental pervert. Mm-hmm. Did you know we're going to have a new co- uh, giveaway coming up? No, I didn't, but the t shirts are mailed out. Well, we have a new giveaway coming out for the pot on the uh, newsletter. Uh, until I actually have the thing in my hand, Ooh. I'm afraid to announce it. I it's might not have George to be... Ed, is it? No, it's not George <laughs> Ed. People might fight over that one. So, yeah, so this is subscribers to our mailing list where um, we try to put out new information first between the mailing list and the podcast. You'd mentioned Dante of Edmonton. I will mm-hmm. mention Phoenix Flames, the hottie from Edmonton. <laughs> Mikey from California. Focus Puller from Ohio. That's an interesting name. <laughs> Daniel. From Washington, D.C. Jason from Washington. Natural Born Kingsta from Australia. That fucking time, man. I was going to say, man, you've been around forever. You're just now getting on the mailing list. For, uh, <laughs> there's actually the uh, Erotic Awakening Does Australia or some such uh, FetLife group that Natural Born Kingsta runs. He's uh, got to get us out there. We so want to do Australia. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. I'm getting ready to finish my college degree yeah. and just talk to the head of my department about uh-huh. my um, my project to finish up my degree. Between me and him, we may have figured out how to get me and you out to Australia. Does it have something to do with your degree? It does. Good. <laughs> <laughs> well, the project for it, anyway. <laughs> Master Sundarian from Illinois joined the mailing list. Oh, we know Master Sundarian. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Dead Boy in Flames. And I wrote this on here and did not oh, cut and paste. I didn't look at it. Dead Boy in Flames from the UK. I don't know if he's winning the best <laughs> FET name, but he, that is an interesting one. He just won the Oh My God <laughs> FET name. Mike from Maryland. Rand from Tennessee. Kira from Indiana as well. I've all joined the mailing list lately. Thanks, guys. Uh, we'll try and keep you informed. I'll actually try and put something interesting out there. Yes. Yeah, so, but, but guess what else has been coming in? Uh, what? Tentacle pick links again. Again with the tentacle picks. <laughs> well, the first one was from Shan Wow. We hear from them every now and then. And it's a suction cup tentacle. So you like lick it and stick it. <laughs> <laughs> that but, would be awesome. And then you got the other one. I actually like yes. the other one. is really my favorite for quite a while. So this one's from Chip. And it's a link to um, uh, uh, their little octopus ice cubes. Which, he doesn't know this, but, but um, I've been in, like, ice cube cravings <laughs> for the last year. That would have been perfect. Little ice cube octopuses. Yeah, absolutely. Someone last night at Monkey Puzzle Club, they're going to make me a Cthulhu hat. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Chip, I see that he hopes Bat's getting well. Thank you, Chip. Ah, 
Oh, but he Excuse also me. says he wants you to give me a spanking. Why would he want me to do that? <laughs> I don't know, but I, when I read that, I was like, maybe we could record it. Oh. <laughs> a new ringtone? <laughs> I can live with it. Where can they find this ringtone at? Oh, good. Ooh, nice. A little segue. Ta-da. Nice. <laughs> um... I'm not sure how to reverse segue this. Other ways to contact us, as well as where we'll be presenting past podcast episodes in the ringtone, can be found at eroticawakening.com. Awesome. And if you want to send us a tentacle link or any sort of comment, you can write us at dananddawn at eroticawakening.com. Use the Got Comment form on that webpage. Uh, go to Facebook and go to Erotic Awakening, all one word. Or the FetLife group is called Erotic Awakening, two words. And we also have a Twitter, which is a little different, which is Dan and Dawn, all one word. So, yay! Though we do have a couple more comments. I just wanted to segue in like that. So, um, Sean dropped us a line saying hello and a quick thanks for the podcast. So did a Sasquatch, who is not on your notes, but a Mm-mm. Sasquatch from the UK also. And that's just so nice when people write and just say, hey, we appreciate the podcast. Um, people taking time out of their day to express that. Uh, it really helps us, you know, feel like we're doing a good job. Uh, I, and it's really gotten me over the hump of when the first 50, 60 episodes where I kept trying to tweak things and change things and making things this and that. Mm-hmm. Apparently people like it the way it is, so stop fucking with <laughs> it's it. It's more natural. I like it too. So we also got a fet mail from OTK Angel. Who I remember from uh, last year, we got to see them as well. Yeah, so and it, they, were, they were up in uh, Edmonton. And uh, I'm glad she reminded me of who she was, though, when she wrote me the comment. Because so, then I could pull her. I like when people do that. If they've met me, kind of mention where, you, how you met me or, or how we interacted. Mm-hmm. That does a lot to, to bringing back the visuals. So, And uh, she was very sweet with her comments oh, yeah. about our workshops. Sniffles, and, even. Brought yes, sniffles to me. I know. So, awesome, awesome. And then what is this from Staples? Staples. <laughs> we thought when um, Staples joined the mailing list, uh-huh. we thought she was from Illinois. But the the registration said that she was from somewhere else. Oh, right, 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 right. Right. So they wrote back and said, no, I'm not from Illinois. Just crazy enough to fly there for an event. Oh, got Yay. it. Got we'll it, got be it. in Illinois sometime soon. So we'll also be in Dallas next week. So let's talk a little bit about that. You, We are going to Dallas. Mm-hmm. I am going as your companion. Isn't that weird? It is weird. That is really weird when they, when they um, and, and the reason that's happening is because they invited me to be a judge at the International Master Slave Contest. And that just feels really weird because we had to find a picture of just me for the bio mm-hmm. and then rewrite a bio that's just me. And most of the stuff we do is together. Um, though we did have to come up with separate stuff for you for your speech for Madtown. So sure. that was kind of neat, too. But um, it's really weird to have... Um, I had to do a workshop, too. And it, it's just weird to say, by Dawn, co-presented by Master Dan. <laughs> that feels funky because when we do these workshops, we do them. They're, they're mm-hmm. so in sync and so together. It's not you helping me. It's us doing it together. But the whole reason we're going is because you were invited to come out there and be a judge on the mm-hmm. panel for um, judging the International Master Slave Contest. Right. So, and so what do you think about that? <sighs> It's odd. I mean, part of me is very, very honored. You know, we spent our time on the stage running, running for that title, and I know it's hard work. We've done a small title run as judges as well here locally. Mm-hmm. And um, 
it's a little difficult because I try to live a spiritual life where I don't judge other people. I try to live, I mean, it's kind of natural, but if you recognize it, you can work hard at not doing it. And I really don't judge, have gotten to the place where I don't judge how other people do power exchange. Right. That's why we run the Power Exchange Summit, because there's so many ways of doing it, you know? And it's nice to meet how everybody does it. So judging five couples on how they do power exchange, and I just feel like it's going to be difficult, because part of me is going to want to give everybody good grades just for being up there, because I remember how nervous I was when I was up there. Sure, sure. You know, part of me is going to want to judge harshly. I don't Mm -hmm. know if that's the right word, tough. Part of me is going to want to judge tough because these people are going to be international representatives of what master and slave is and therefore representing us, you know, because we use the labels master and slave. So you need to find the couple that can present well, that has um, a, a good vibe about them, that can talk about master and slave and, and just be proud of who they are mm-hmm. and all that type of stuff. And it's going to be challenging, but I think it's going to be fun too. So I'm, I'm kind of nervous about it, but really looking forward to it. All right. So huh. <laughs> it's, it's challenging. I think one of the things that you've mentioned is for example, uh, Two of the contestants that are running, uh, Master Peter and Slave Evangeline, are mm-hmm. people that we've interacted with. We know them. We actually ran against them in one contest. Right. So there is a little bit of a um, personal connection there uh, where you are going to have to set that aside, I guess. I, I will to... have to set it aside. Um, someone asked me about that last night, and I'm like, you know, I really can't have any interaction with them right now. I can't invite them to PXS. I can't, you know, I really have to step back from that to make sure there's not a conflict of interest. Right. So my ethics has me stepping back. And someone else, you know, was like, oh, well, you ran against them at one point, so, you know, you, you must really know them or, or blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you know, when we ran against them, we made friends with them. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no challenge there at all. I just need to step back and be neutral. Right. And that I'm pretty confident with. That I think I can do. So, well, 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 later we'll talk about being Jewish in power exchange relationships, but being a Buddhist, and in your case, a Buddhist flavored pagan, (laughs) cultivating that neutral view, cultivating that observer is going to be very valuable, I would think, as a judge. Absolutely. So, being the observer, looking at it um, with uh, childlike eyes, beginner's Mm -hmm. eyes. Yeah. I like that. So, everything is new. I, you know, I just. I feel for everybody. They're going to be so nervous. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> the other aspect of it, though, is certainly that it is an honor to be asked to be a judge on, on this panel. I mean, absolutely. these are, um, you know, when I think about the people that were judges when we ran, mm-hmm. um, you know, these are people that are names in, in the leather community. They're the, mm-hmm. So it's interesting that you've been asked. And it's interesting to be to just experience that, to be hobnobbing with the other names of the leather community Ooh. and to be part of that. It's going to be, it's going to be a new experience. Mm-hmm. That's how I'm looking at it. It's going to be a new experience that not too many people get to do. You know, running for title. You know, we've talked about this before. Some people like it. Some people don't like it. For me, it was an experience. Right. That not too many people put themselves out there for 
you know, to do. So I enjoyed the experience. I think I will uh, dust off a writing I did about running for title for the next newsletter. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll put that out on the newsletter. But, you know, I, I totally agree with you. Regardless of the fact we, you know, we were, uh, we're one for one for leather contests, right? We won one, we lost one. Right. Wonderful experience regardless. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, and I'm kind of hoping this goes well. I wouldn't mind... Well, you know what? I was going to say I wouldn't mind judging again. Let's get the first one out of the way first yes. and see how that goes. Yeah. So, yes. We did, uh, yesterday you picked up all of our leather uh, vest, cleaned, pressed, etc. Oh, what a segue. Thank you. I our, like that. Erotic Awakening is sponsored in part by Manor Gear. Manor Gear is owned by a lifestyle couple with over 20 years experience and sells handcrafted leather goods. They specialize in custom-made items and repair and restoration of your leather goods. Slave-tested and master-approved. Find out more at www.mannergear.com. And I will say this for them. We certainly trust them with our leather. We do. So we just dropped off. Well, we didn't just drop off. We saw them recently and dropped off a four vest that we wanted. um, What did we want? We wanted them fine-tuned. We've Mm -hmm. worn them quite a bit. So they needed to be... um, Oh, I don't know what the word. Restored. Cleaned, restored. Yes. Right, right. <laughs> cleaned and restored, like you just said. So cleaned and restored. A couple of patches moved around and, you know, things like that. And they did a really great job. I mean, the leather looks new. So we got to get into this interview. I do want to mention real quickly that, Don, did you know that the bug on the bottom side of my shoe podcast gets more ratings on iTunes than ours Nuh-uh. does? They do. They do. <sighs> But you can help us get the word out by rating us on iTunes, tweet about us, or lick us on Facebook, as well as telling your friends. Indeed. But I want to mention something else, too. Yes. PXS. Yes, yes. Power Exchange Summit. The only event of its sort. Yay. We are in um, negotiations with two other presenters. So most of them are listed on our website that we've already negotiated and definitely have coming in and... I don't want to mention the names of the other two just yet. But it's such a wonderful name drop for <laughs> know, to naming these two famous people. I know, but we have to wait till it's solid in the bag. But the, the interesting is uh, the two people that we're in negotiations with now, uh, one of them is old school leather mm-hmm. power exchange, mm-hmm. and the other is kind of this new wave power exchange. Absolutely. So it's really interesting. interesting. You know what, though? I want to I, I mention something that's really interesting here about the Power Exchange Summit. Uh-huh. So I just went to the head of my uh, department at college, and I've been really good about all through classes. It's kind of a business-based college, but applied psychology. And I've been really good about mentioning um, I'm in an alternative lifestyle, and I do alternative things, and it's alternative spirituality, you know, and it involves these communities and sub-communities, and no one is really brave enough to ask me what the hell I'm talking about, <laughs> you know. They can tell that I'm skirting the issue, and my head, head guy um, goes, so you want to do your project on your event, your weekend event that you're doing. And I said, yes, I think this would be very valuable to us and to, you know, the project. And he's like, so what is the name of your project? And I, and I just went, oh God, people don't usually ask that. And I felt like I was put on the spot. And I finally Mm -hmm. said, you know what? It's called the Power Exchange Summit. And he's like, well, what does that mean? And I'm sitting here talking to a PhD in psychology. So I get a little (laughs) nervous, you know, I'm looking at the DSM four or whatever it is on his shelf and, you know, and all this type of stuff. And I'm like, you know, it's a way that it's a style of relationship that people live. And I actually explained it a little bit and he looks at me and he goes, and people have an issue with this. This is why you're not saying the name of it. I'm like, exactly. And he's like, 
but it's like this and it's like that and it's consensual and there's contracts and there's people have an issue with this i'm like yeah i'm like actually we're out but we still have to keep on the down low a little bit when it comes to jobs and things like that right and he was actually confused And I'm like, well, I'm glad you're confused because we get confused too. But it just seems to be the way it is. It's well, non-mainstream. It, and It's always nice when a PhD is uh, more confused by other people don't accept it versus breaking out the couch and saying, you better have it lay down here well, so I can fix you. The other fun thing was when I was trying to explain what it was, I'm like, well, <clears throat> have you heard of the book Fifty Shades of Grey? Right. And he's like, well, my wife has read it. I'm like, well, do you get the concept of it? He's like, yeah. I'm like, pfft. That's kind of what this is, except it's all relationship stuff. Yeah. And, and the, yeah. the sex isn't quite the driver exactly. in PXS. Anyway, just thought I'd throw that in there. I'd forgotten about it. We have an interview. Well, there you go. <laughs> Very neat. So, um, yeah. I will not bust into my best uh, fiddle on the roof impression. Instead, let's just play the interview. Uh, very good stuff, and I hope you enjoy it. Indeed. <laughs> so Don, here we are at Lupercalia, and uh, we were just explaining uh, that we're going to do our best not to smash and step on and piss on anyone's religion, <laughs> and yet we're still going to ask questions. Uh, so Daddy Scott and Benjamin are joining us, uh, and we're going to talk, if I think I understand correctly, about power exchange relationships and how your religion, which you both identify as Jewish. Jewish. They said that in, in together. <laughs> Unison. I hope so. I, I'm glad that you identify as Jewish. I know very little bit about Judaism, except for the, the yarmulke, which you both wear. Everything else I've learned about Judaism comes from Mel Brooks. <laughs> so, and okay. Fiddler on the Roof. So I was thinking Fiddler on the Roof. I went to sleep thinking about that last night, going, I know nothing about that path. That- and I was in that place, so we could talk about there that. You well, there you go. That works. <laughs> so, but... We had started to talk earlier about the, uh, your power exchange relationship. So how do, from a power exchange, how do you identify? So I, I'll let you. Well, so <laughs> we're, we're rediscovering that. Okay. So we're, we're currently kind of redefining what our, our power dynamic and our power um, exchange relationship is. Uh, it's, at this point, it's, it's still primarily daddy boy, but we're sort of looking at um, redefining terms and um, but the fact is, is that he will, that the power exchange will still be me as the dominant, him as the submissive, or and however that plays out as we are rediscovering things. Okay, very cool. And and from my perspective, I mean, whatever terms we end up landing on, I am subordinate to to Daddy Scott. Okay. Okay. So that. Kind of defines it without having to use a label. Yeah. Now, as somebody who doesn't know about a lot about Judaism, uh, the, the one thing I do know about Judaism is they probably don't dig the fact that you're in a power exchange relationship. Is that true or not true? If they're orthodox, they're probably... I mean, although I um, there's a feminist orthodox woman in Calgary who, you know, gives sex talks quite frequently about lots of different things and... And really, from her perspective, kink is fine, as is homosexuality. Um, but yeah, probably the general sort of orthodox conservative branch of Judaism, um, which is the more dominant form in Canada and the states where form is more dominant. Mm-hmm. Um, of which we are reformed Jews. 
Okay. So the reform movement is pretty cool with most things. Okay. Now, so Daddy Scott, how long have you identified as a Jew? I actually. And can I say that? Is that appropriate? Is that, or is that again? No, well, for me, that actually is, is quite an appropriate question because I actually converted to Judaism uh-huh. uh, shortly after we were married. So I was actually born and raised Christian. Okay. Um, and up until I turned eighteen, I had every intention of becoming a Presbyterian minister. But they came out of the closet. They weren't so cool with me being right. <laughs> being gay. Um, and. When Ben and I decided, Benjamin and I decided to get married, uh, we wanted his rabbi to perform the wedding. So we had some some counseling sessions with the rabbi. And generally, before he would do an interfaith marriage, he requires the non-Jew to take the intro to Judaism class, not to convert, but just to have a good understanding of what it means to have a Jewish spouse, right? Okay. And, I like and, that. and have a Jewish home. And if you have children, raise Jewish children. I was coming from the states, so I couldn't do that. Um, before we got married, so he made me promise him that after we got married, when the class started up again, I would take the class, okay. which I was fine with. About halfway through the class, I realized that I was here for another purpose other than just fulfilling a promise um, and began to talk to the rabbi about the conversion process. Okay. And to add to that a little bit, one of the, and it's funny because it does kind of come play into the power dynamics, the one reason why the rabbi is very, very insistent on the non-Jew taking the class is that that at least somewhat equalizes the field in terms of I can't say well we have to do it this way because it's it's Jewish and non-Jewish and, oh, and sure <laughs> sure and he actually that's how he puts it is he wants it so that it's it's sort of a fair fair ground okay um, for both parties so that the non-Jew isn't at a disadvantage because they don't know right. And so that's why it's not necessarily a requirement to convert, but it's a requirement because I can't say, oh, by the way, we have to have all purple dishes now. Right. <laughs> right. Because it's with the Torah. Right. Which you don't know. Exactly. Which would cause, you know, and it would become dysfunctional at that point because I like that. What a way to help the marriage. So just to, to, for a little foundational, what's the Torah? So the Torah, that would be... So some people would refer to it as the Old Testament. It's the five uh, first books of the Old Testament okay. on a scroll. Okay, good. I, not as complex as I was afraid. In the, the run book, actually, they have a picture of the Torah on a scroll. I don't know why, but they do. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, looking like, is there going to be some sort of like kinky Shabbat? Like, what's <laughs> <laughs> Which is like Sabbath, Shabbat. Yeah. So how does, are there conflicts that you've had to approach. You'd mentioned a holiday or a time of year that it's not appropriate so much to be a slave. Yeah. And I didn't really, I, I apologize if I'm, I'm butchering what you said, but that oh. was the point where I said, shut up until I get a microphone. Okay. <laughs> so, so during Pesach, which is also known as Passover, um, that's when the slaves, the Jewish slaves were freed from Egypt and the Red Sea parting and all that stuff. Okay. And that's what Passover celebrates. And so because it's a celebration from freedom from slavery, it's not really appropriate for a slave to be at the Passover table. And there's lots of sort of customs around reclining because that's what free people did when they ate meals and things okay. like that. And so, um, so being a slave at that time is not appropriate because I couldn't be at the Seder table and then therefore not participate in one of the sort of two really major holidays mm-hmm. in the religion. Um, 
So um, I am free, freed every Passover. Um, and at the end of Passover, we do a recommitment and a reevaluation. Do I still want to be in that type of relationship with Daddy Scott? And um, so some of the things that we have incorporated around that are, so in the, the Torah, in the Old Testament, in Exodus, there's a verse that says, if, well, there's a couple sort of Jewish things. So if, if a non-Jew is a slave to a Jew, every seven years, which is like where the whole sabbatical thing comes from for academics and hmm. things like that, they, they take a year off. Well, in Judaism, you free your slaves. And so you can only be a slave for seven years anyway. And once a freed slave is freed, they by default are converted to Judaism, which is another kind of issue, but they can approach their former master and request to be a slave to them for the rest of their lives, at which point the master will take the slave to before God, so in, at that time it would have been to the temple before mm -hmm. it was destroyed, and then to a doorway or a door and pierce their ear with an awl. An owl? An owl. A-W-L. It's a little metal thing. Kind of like an ice pick. Yeah. yeah like a little oh. thing to put a hole. Okay. I think nowadays a needle would be an appropriate modern substitution. <laughs> but not an owl, though. No, 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 no birds. No, no birds, birds are harmed in, in, in the making of your sleep. <laughs> and so that then signifies that that person is now permanently a slave. Huh. Um, however, if it's a Jew who is a slave to another Jew, that becomes a position more of um, indentured servitude rather than slave. Okay. Um, and so what, what we've discussed, and I guess Passover is coming up quickly, so we'll have to, as we're remaking our relationship a little bit in terms of the dynamics and words, so I don't have my ears pierced. <laughs> right. I have something, there will be something else pierced um, in place of an ear. <laughs> Perhaps uh, your nipple? Perhaps. So we have to negotiate that still. Okay. But, but then that, but because Passover is essentially eight days long, during Passover that, that piercing is taken out and either that same place is re-pierced at the end of Passover, if the commitment is renewed, mm -hmm. or another place, it could, it doesn't necessarily for us have to be the same place. Okay. So that's why I say a nipple or something that we negotiate otherwise. Mm -hmm. So some years it could end up being other parts. So <laughs> <laughs> it's okay to say penis on the Erotic Awakening podcast. Okay. Yes. So it, it could be. You don't look so thrilled with the idea that it might be the penis, but that's okay. <laughs> We're not going to mention that because maybe then it won't happen. <laughs> uh, no, is that the way that works? Okay. Yes. Not really. <laughs> so, um, so we've took, taken this verse about how somebody becomes a slave in in old Jewish tradition, and I mean that hasn't been a practice in thousands of years in Judaism. Right. And incorporated it into a way of when this piercing is out during Passover, you are not a slave, and at the end of Passover, should you let me re-pierce you, then woohoo, we're gone, good for another year. Hmm. So, so my question is, we've done recommitment ceremonies at our anniversary, 
where Dan has taken off my collar, given me to the group of people that are there to help us celebrate, and then at the end of that, I have to ask to be his again. Very, very scary for me, because for him as well, because he's released me for just a couple of hours. Mm-hmm. You know, and then we have to decide if we're going to do this again. Is this a further celebration or is this a se separation? You know, and like I said, just a couple hours, you've got eight days. Is that scary? Is it empowering? Is it both? Is it something else? What, what, what's your process when you're in this eight days? Does it. For me, it's sort of like, okay, well, hopefully we, we both agree at the end of this. And we have a contract, so a marriage contract in Judaism is called a ketubah. And, and women carry the ketubah, and if the husband doesn't fulfill all the things, they can ask for a divorce. Okay. So um, I, did, I did the calligraphy in the, the Hebrew for our vanilla one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and for the... the so basically, a lot of um, MS relationships, there's some sort of a contract, mm -hmm. right. a master-slave contract. Um, so we are incorporating our Judaism. So instead of a, a master-slave contract, it will be a ketubah. So the contract will take the form of a ketubah. There, so there'll be obligations for both master and slave to fulfill. And at the end, if one, it's, if, a, if one half of the equation feels that the other half is not living up, to expectations or to what's outlined, then there's the potential that this that the relationship can end. So in that eight days, part sometimes it's a relief, like okay, good, I get to renegotiate this really crappy piece, but piece that I don't it doesn't work. Or, but there's you know, and and I don't know. I guess maybe because I sponsored Scott to immigrate, I don't really have that fear that like maybe we're not gonna go back there. Although. We did have a, a period of time where we were, like, at least between the two of us, we were pretty vanilla mm -hmm. during the immigration process, and not necessarily because of the immigration process, although maybe unconsciously or subconsciously, so I worry that we would maybe just say, no, we're just married and that's it. Mm -hmm. And Passover falls very close to our wedding anniversary, so it's sort of similar in that sense but yeah I guess at least so far I haven't worried about it mm -hmm. not you know going forward that way but maybe now I will know and I have to admit you know I worry about it. I worry about it um, you know because I, I I take because I feel like I take on like the, the role of a master or of you know daddy or whatever that's a lot of responsibility mm -hmm. and and I worry t at times that I don't you know and I'll, I'll freely admit I'm not one of those those masters or daddies or whatever who never admits that they fuck up I fuck up and so I sometimes worry oh god if I fucked up so much that he's like you know what you have no idea what the fuck you're doing and I'm just content to be your husband and that's a scary thing for me but mm -hmm. it also because this is something that comes up every year, it's sort of like a review in your job, you know? Okay. And so it's like, okay, I know that at by the end of this year, there's gonna be some checks and balances and I need to make sure that I've got my shit together and that I'm doing what I need to do. And it's also a good opportunity for, for Benjamin to 
in those eight days where he's free to be, you know, to be really honest. And it gives him that freedom if he feels like maybe when he's in service to me, he can't always say, Daddy Scott, really, it's your... You're kind of dropping the ball here. And it gives him that freedom to be like, okay, I'm out of service. I can now really say, okay, here's how you're dropping the ball and here's how I think would be best a good way to approach improving those things. Right. But it also gives me the freedom to say to him as well, all right, this is where I feel like you're dropping the ball and this is where I think we can we can grow from this. It sort of gives us both that freedom to be like, hey, right now we're just husband and husband. Mm-hmm. And that's all we are, and so we can re, really talk freely about where our our MS relationship is. And it also makes it way less. I mean, because I, I I stressed about okay, we're going to have a Passover seder. How are we going to, like I mean, there's the sort of behind enemy lines protocol. If you take a military kind of attitude about how you might talk to somebody who you're in a power dynamic relationship with, but it, it's a little bit freeing that I don't have to think about that at all. <laughs> like, I don't have to worry of like, oh, yeah, everybody had left and I forgot to like, say say things a certain way or do something. And right. it's like, because it, it's, it's two days of solid cooking. Right. Um, and, and eating and... Yes, and eating and, and like, the Seder itself is, depending on what service you use, I tend to use a humanist one but four hours long is short one wow <laughs> so <laughs> I thought your druid friends had long things right that's four hours or something. so and thank god you're not orthodox because you would be there for 12 oh my gosh so, well obviously your religion's very important to you I mean you're you're doing this you're taking eight days off now yeah I like how you've incorporated that into your anniversary and reviewing everything and things like that but I I don't know my religion's important to me but it's like eight days off Wow <laughs> but I mean there's also lots of other really fun things that we like and so this is sort of um, just one of the things that we incorporate. Mm-hmm. I mean, the other thing is that it's a mitzvah, which mitzvah translates to commandment okay. to have sex every Friday. So really, yeah, like you are, it is in the Torah, you are commanded by God that you are to have sex with your partner on Shabbat. On Shabbat, so sometime between sundown on Friday night and sundown on Saturday night, you and your partner got to get busy. Hmm. And one of the things in the um, in a, traditional, in, a, in, a, in a traditional ketubah is what's written in there is how many times you would have to, you would have to have sex with Dawn. And it or, and it depends on what you do for a living. So if you are a farmer, which is a very physically taxing job, huh? you would have to have sex with her less than say if you were a banker. Hmm. Because you're not exerting as much energy sitting behind a desk all day. They put some thought into this. Mm-hmm. So now, if the two of you are Jewish and it's in your ketubah that you're supposed to have sex ten times a week, okay, and you're only giving it up five times a week, she could take you to the rabbi and be like, Rabbi, says in my ketubah I get it ten times a week and I'm only getting it five. And the rabbi will counsel you and say, Dan, you, you signed this ketubah and you said that you were going to give it to your wife ten times a week. You need to step it up, or she's going to ask for a divorce, and I'll give it to her. No, we're not converting. 
put that out there. But I'm like, I'm liking this. I, you know, I yeah. And, and and I mean, it's funny because I have highly orthodox friends in Vancouver who mm -hmm. one of them was a founding member of Bio, which was a kink group out there a while ago. Like, I don't think they exist anymore, but some time back, and he. You know, I went out there, We had I had dinner with them, and it was Shabbat, and it was beautiful, and it was wonderful, and then he pulls out, so there's the Torah, which is the, on the scroll. The Talmud is, is what's on the scroll, plus commentary, plus a few, yeah, some other stuff. And the Gematra is sort of even, even more like explanation by rabbis after the destruction of the second temple so he pulls out all this stuff and he's like okay so we go here and he reads this verse and we talk about it and we go to this next one next one and ultimately so he could show me why anal sex was okay Wow. <laughs> it took it had half an hour. We like jumped, so it's like, okay, this, you know, and it was because you have to establish because it, the wording was, it's okay to turn the tables, which is the euphemism in, in the Torah uh -huh. for anal sex. <laughs> turn the tables. <laughs> and all this stuff. And so, and you know, like on Yom Kippur, it is um, also a mitzvah to do self-prostrate like you bang your chest okay and in the orthodox they actually flog themselves mm -hmm. and so he flogs me yeah. instead but the trick is um during yom kippur you're not supposed to uh, have any kind of like personal comfort so for 24 hours you don't bathe no sex you can't wear leather because it's comfortable you there's all these things so yes i flog him but i cannot use our leather floggers because it's a mitzvah that you're not supposed to have okay, okay. Know, be involved with leather. So, um, so, so we, yeah, so I have to come up does with Does it leather. literally say leather? Yes. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and so we, we like, you know, these other things. Like, you know, who could not want to sign up for something that says you have to have sex once a week? Yeah. <laughs> and so for me, I mean, to incorporate this, um, you know, there was some pieces of it that I got from other people. I mean, the freeing over Passover, I had never thought of until I had met another kinky Jew who said that's what they do with their slave. And I'm like, oh, I never even thought about that. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so that that kind of was was sort of a sort of an eye-opening thing and, mm -hmm. and an expanding. I'm like, oh, here's another way we can incorporate this. But we do. I mean, I wear a kippa all the time. I wear a head covering all the time. Mm -hmm. And so it's part of my whole life, and this is part of my whole life, and so that is why it didn't seem to make sense not to incorporate some of those things into it. And, I mean, there's some, um, you know, really interesting things that can be incorporated, like the, the piercing and things like that. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, you know, and I joined a group probably both, four or five years ago online. I've never met any of them. They get these posts. But there's a group of kinky Jews in New York um, who get together and have kinky events. And um, they have a, a chocolate seder at Passover that's kinky somehow. I don't, I've never attended, so I don't really know how. They don't really post those details. Right. <laughs> but but um, they're, they're kinky Jews in New York. And, and it's like, okay, so this is, this is cool. And, you know, how can I incorporate this and and it's funny because we never really formally talked about 
we've kind of we said, oh, what do we think about this idea or this? And, and this was sort of he converted. He didn't tell me he was converting actually, which I, I told him like two weeks before my conversion ceremony. Uh -huh. But we're having Asian food, very Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and so he because he didn't want anybody to think that I had pressured him. Okay. In any way. So if he doesn't know to the last possible minute, then clearly. This was mine. Right. 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 And he had to study for a year before he could actually. Oh, okay. So, wow. Huh. Yeah. And we've tried some to to sort of incorporate other Jewish aspects into our <laughs> into our into our um, our our MS relationship that went, that didn't work. Mm -hmm. So um, as I said earlier, like the title, I, the term that I like to use with him is daddy. Mm -hmm. So the Jewish term, the Jewish word for for daddy is Abba. Okay. So we tried this whole, okay, you'll call me Abba, and that will be kind of hot because it, you know, because we both have religious fetishes beyond just being uh, somewhat observant Jews. And that was going great until we were at synagogue and the rabbi's kids showed up and they're like, Abba, Abba, Abba. And so, <laughs> so we went home and Ben called me Abba and I'm like, no. Because I'm taking the rabbi right now. Like right. I'm j I just like have a picture of the rabbi with his kids, and I, that's not sexy. Mm -hmm. That is not sexy to me. So, Benjamin, you brought something written on a piece of paper. It always scares me when people are prepared for interviews. Oh, no, no, uh, this was just the verse. Like, this was just the, the verse from Exodus, um, and it says, His master shall take him before God. He shall be brought to the door or doorpost, and his master shall pierce his ear with an awl, and he shall remain a slave for life. Hmm. And that's wow. that's Exodus twenty one six. So cool. Um, that's, that's yeah. Oh, my ear pierced. <laughs> you know, it's, I, I actually need an ear pierced to balance this one. We can make a ritual out of it. You'll have to wait seven years apparently. No. And wait for Abba to play in the background. I'll mix that part up. I'll mix that part up. I think. But dancing. Oh. <laughs> um, so. One more question, if you don't mind. Mm -hmm. Do you feel there's will ever be a point that you come across somebody that's important, a rabbi or someone else in your religious community, that their response to your chosen lifestyle, be it from the power exchange perspective, will make you step back and say, maybe? And here's this is the challenge with with organized religion, and at least in my mind, is that they have hierarchies. They have ex you know, they have people that you identify. This person's an expert. This person's a leader. I don't know for Judaism, but I think for the Catholics, the Pope's kind of important. So if the Pope says, hey, no contraception, then if you're going to follow that religion, you should probably do what the Pope says. Do you guys, is there something like that, that where you guys will have a religious edict that says, we're going to have to make a change or, you know, not be Jews? Well... Or is this one of the religions? Is this one of the questions of people who don't have religions asks? There you go and go. What a dumbass! No, 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 not at all. Because, because like I said, I was raised Christian and I was raised with that hierarchy. You talk to your minister, and your minister talks to God, and you don't disagree with the minister because right. he talks to God. It's not like that in Judaism. There's a joke in Judaism. You ask five rabbis the same question, and you get seven answers. <laughs> it is sounds like a pagan. It is part of Judaism <laughs> to have free and open discussion about all aspects of, of, of Jewish life. In, at the Saturday morning service, it's a Torah discussion. 
the rabbi will read the week's Torah portion, and then we sit down and we talk about it. And the rabbi will say, this is what I think it means to me. And I can say, Rabbi, I disagree with you, and this because this is what I think it means to me. And he'll be like, that is a very good point. And there's this ongoing conversation and discussion. So everybody, so nobody's right, nobody's wrong. Everybody can just, it's, it's what it means to you and how you interpret it. Wow. And there's no sort of like, like, I have to go through my rabbi to talk to God. Right. So there's none of that, you know, there's none of that cutoff. And so, you know, we could, in theory, talk to our rabbi about this, our lifestyle. And, and he will either say, that sounds great, and I'm glad it works for you, or he can, and I, that's wonderful, or he could be like, hmm, I don't, I don't really think that that would work for me, but you're still, it's still okay. I mean, it's, there would be none of this, you cannot do this, or you can't be Jews. And because a Jew is a Jew is a Jew, like, there are lots of people who are Jews who don't observe anything. Um, so there's lots of people who are Jewish who show up at Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, and you never see them any other time. And Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur are high holidays, so mm -hmm. much like uh, lots of Christians will only show up for Christ Christmas, Eve service, and, and Easter. Easter. Right. Same thing with Jews. Okay. Okay. And but there's no excommunication. Right. Right. Can't, okay. No, like there's no power on earth that can take away my Judaism. Oh, okay. Um, now. The exception to that would be Orthodox. Orthodox choose to follow a particular rabbi or leader, and so if that particular rabbi in the Orthodox or Chabad, which is ultra-Orthodox, you know, they will have certain rulings on things that this is how it's done for this community, but it's a choice. And if they choose not to be in that community, that rabbi still can't take away their being a Jew. Okay. <laughs> So, like one of the, what Scott was talking about when we have the Torah discussion, I mean, we have the, the B'nai Mitzvah class, which is like the, the 12, 13 year olds who are about to have their bar or bat mitzvah. They participate in that discussion. And so we have people who are 80 to who people are 12. And we read the, the Torah portion and you, you could say, oh, well, you know, I always thought it meant this or this. And... You know, it's interesting because you'll have this 13-year-old boy with his perspective, and nobody's wrong. Like, there is, mm -hmm. no, there is no wrong. Um, now, orthodoxy will tell you there is a wrong because there's a wrong for them because they've decided to, to follow a particular okay. leader. Very wow. cool. Very interesting. Yeah. Uh, as a side note to our listeners, uh, what was it, about 35, 40 minutes ago, one of you was being whipped. It's the third night. I was night being electrocuted. The, you were being electrocuted. You were spanking. I was spanking someone. It's the third <laughs> night of three nights of dungeon play. So the fact that you're both uh, able to speak at all is fantastic. <laughs> Wonderful interview. Thank you very much. I certainly feel a little more enlightened than I was before we started. Mm -hmm. uh, no, I'm not going to be bound to having to fuck a certain number of times per week. Based uh, on your employment. Based on my employment. <laughs> <laughs> You they, become a farmer. <laughs> I'm going to work in the mine, and I think I only have to give it up to you maybe once a month because I get tired all the time. Or I'm going to become a professional mime, and I'll pretend that I did it. <laughs> Thank you very much, guys. Thank very much appreciated.
Want to have your podcast, event, charity, or service is the first thing listeners hear about on our podcast? Make a $10 donation to the podcast for a 10-second front bump on our show that reaches listeners from around the world. What a bargain! Contact us at Dan and Dawn at eroticawakening.com. What was that last part? Bye, Dan. Bye, Dawn. <laughs>